on the important and interesting question, what do we know about limitations imposed upon the exercise of God's loving kindness and mercy from the Bible, we have seen that it is man's attitude toward God that limits the manifestation of God's forgiving grace. What man must do to make possible the pouring forth of God's love and grace has thus far been summed up in a fourfold way. It is not that there are these many things that man must do, but that the single revolution of heart and life which the Bible calls repentance involves these attitudes and considerations. Man must therefore, in the first place, be willing to repent toward God with his whole heart. In the second place, we have seen that man must humble himself and have a reverential attitude toward God if the mercy of God is going to be extended. In the third place, we saw that man must renounce all disobedience and be willing to enter into a state of obedience toward God. Apart from a partaking of God's ways, happiness is utterly impossible. In the fourth place, we saw that man must renounce all selfishness and be happy to abide in a state of love. If God is love, which the Scripture asserts He is, and which we have abundant evidence that He is, certainly man must be willing to live a similar life of love if he's going to be reconciled to God. But in the fifth place, we affirm that men must turn to a benevolent, forgiving state of mind if God is to exercise mercy in the forgiveness of their sins, and must remain in this state as a condition of continued mercy. Thus repentance or a revolution of mind is imperative. In the 18th Psalm, verses 25 and 6, we read these words, With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward thou wilt show thyself froward. So if man is unwilling to forgive his fellow men, certainly God is unable to forgive him his many sins. In the fifth chapter of Matthew and verse 7 in this great so-called Sermon on the Mount, our Lord Jesus affirmed this among one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Thus a condition of mercifulness is necessary if God is going to be able to extend His great mercy to us. In the sixth chapter, we have our blessed Lord giving His disciples the great prayer, which is said most frequently on the Lord's day. Thus we read, After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So if man is going to be forgiven, and if the mercy of God toward him is not going to be restrained, 
he must be willing also to forgive his fellow man. And in the 11th chapter of Mark, verses 24 to 26, we read this declaration amidst the tremendous admonition to prayer that our blessed Lord gave at this instance. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. As we go to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is admonishing us in verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So just as God has freely forgiven us of our sins, we must be willing to abide in a state of forgiveness toward our fellow men, and also freely forgive them for their transgressions against us. And in the third chapter of Colossians, verses 12 and 13, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So we are to continue in this state of kind forgiveness. In the 18th chapter of Matthew, verses 27 to 35, our blessed Lord set forth this parable of forgiveness that we have previously alluded to. You recall that there was a certain king who would take account of his servants. And there was one that came that owed a great debt, and the king was moved with compassion and forgave him all the debt. Then, unfortunately, this servant who was forgiven this great debt was unwilling to forgive his fellow man of a very small debt. Then in verse 32, Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every bro one his brother their trespasses. Notice that there are no conditions to this assertion of our blessed Lord. And so we must not only be willing to enter into a state of forgiveness toward our fellow men, but we must remain in this state of forgiveness if we are to continue in the kindness and mercy of God. It would be completely wrong for God then to forgive an unforgiving spirit, and thus such a state imposes a limitation on the exercise of mercy from God's loving heart. But in the sixth place, we notice that God is no respecter of persons. And therefore, it is man's reaction to God's pleadings in mercy that enables God 
to make a difference between men in forgiving one and not another. So the difference is to be sought in man and not in God. In the 34th chapter of Job, we have an account how Elihu is speaking and admonishing Job and asserts this positive truth. Therefore hearken unto me, ye men of understanding, far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. For the work of a man shall he render unto him, and cause every man to find according to his ways. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. So it's here affirmed that if God had no reason for extending forgiving mercy to one and not another, he would not be without blame. But this is further asserted in the 62nd Psalm and verse 12. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. And in the 24th chapter of Proverbs, verse 12, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart considereth? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall he not render to every man according to his works? So it's man's attitude that makes the difference. It is man that removes the re restrictions to God's mercy and allows God to forgive him when another individual who refuses these conditions restrains the mercy of God. In the 32nd chapter of Jeremiah, verses 17 to 19, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and recompenseth the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name, great in counsel and mighty in works. For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give every one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And then in Ezekiel chapter 7 and verse 27, we read these words. The king shall mourn and the prince shall be clothed with desolation and the hands of the people of the land shall be troubled. I will do unto them after their way, according to their deserts, will I judge them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And in the 18th chapter, the first part of verse 30, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. And in the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel, verses 17 to 20, Yet the children of thy people say, The way of the Lord is not equal. But as for them, their way is not equal. When the righteous turneth from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, he shall even die thereby. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. Yet ye say, The way of the Lord is not equal. O ye house of Israel, I will judge every one after his ways. So it is man's turn from sin that allows God to exercise his great pardoning mercy. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, verses 26 and 27, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? 
Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall reward every man according to his works. So it is man's reaction toward God that limits the kindness and mercy of God. In the 10th chapter of Acts, verses 34 and 5, Peter is affirming, And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive, that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. And in the second chapter of Romans, verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. And verse 11, for there is no respect of persons with God. And in 1 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 17, and if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. We might also read other New Testament scriptures. But we can say without hesitation that man's reaction determines God's reaction and removes the remaining limitations to the exercise of God's kindness and mercy. Our Heavenly Father, how could we pray otherwise than thank Thee for Thy great justice and Thy great love? that thou dost insist of necessity that if we are going to be reconciled to thee, we have to be willing to assume the wonderful attitude of love that thou hast. Oh, how we pray that many may come to thee who art not a respecter of persons. Find forgiveness through faith in Christ, a reconciliation, and a happy restoration of thy wonderful life in the soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.